Hello and uh, welcome to T4C. Uh, my name is David Porter. Uh, this is Truth for the Church, and I'm really excited to have you guys uh, here with me today on uh, this first podcast episode. It's really exciting. And uh, let's just talk about what T4C is for a minute. Um, so this Truth for the Church is just this podcast where we dive into the Word of God and we just discuss, you know, how the Word of God uh, relates to our personal relationship with Him, but also how it relates to the church and the culture at large. Um, so I want to give a big shout out to my friend Marlon for just uh, encouraging me and helping me figure out how to start with this podcast and everything. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, let's chop it up a little bit. Let's get into the word. Um, so the topic for today is uh, how do we honor God uh, with our bodies? All right. We hear uh, these conversations come around pretty often, um, but we don't really talk about what it means. And we I don't know that we hear it a lot from the pulpit, what it means to honor God with our bodies. So let's just dive into that. All right. Uh, so we're going to go to the word of God. The first place I'm going to go is Second Timothy uh, chapter three, uh, verse number 16 and 17. Uh, what it says here is that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, what that means there, it's just breathe. It's God breathed. OK, so what's that mean? Now, there's a lot of debate on this, but let me go ahead and and pause and say right here, um, whether or not you believe that the word of God is truly from God or is written from man has everything to do with how you not only see God, but how you live and worship God. Um, if this is somebody's commentary about God, uh, then I'm not going to take it as an authority from God. And frankly, they don't have any more authority than I do. Um, but if we understand what the word of God tells us, which is that this is literally God's words to man, uh, God's revelation to us, the things that we could not know, the hidden things of God that he's shown us, uh, if we take it as such, then this is the next following part tells us this. It says that it's profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature. That's what the word perfect means. Mature or thoroughly furnished or prepared unto all good works. All right. So we have to start the conversation there because when we approach scripture, we must approach it with the proper respect and honor. Right. So we want to understand uh, a good example of this is the uh, autobiography of Malcolm X. Malcolm X did not actually physically write his autobiography, but it was transcribed by another person. So another person actually wrote his words. But yet that <laughs> Malcolm X is credited as the author of his autobiography, even though he did not actually write the words in the same way. According to Second Peter, chapter one, it says that the men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit so that when they spoke, uh, it was actually God that was giving them the words to say. All right. So I hope that clears that up. Uh, we can definitely have uh, another podcast about that. Um, so let's just move on for now and let's talk about this. How do we how do we honor God with our bodies? What's the word of God have to say about that? Um, now, there's a great deal that the Bible says about it, but I think we should start in First uh, Corinthians. Um, so we're going to start in First Corinthians and I'm not going to start in chapter six, which is where a lot of people would start. But I'm going to start in uh, chapter number three. OK, so first Corinthians chapter three, 
I'm going to read to you beginning at verse number 16. This is Paul. So he's instructing, instructing the people in the church in Corinth. And this is what he says. He says, know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Verse 17 says this, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. All right. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, when we think about how do I honor my body, the number one thing that that we get here is that it's a temple, right? Okay, it's it's a place of worship, and that has everything to do with defining how I treat my body and how I use my body. When I see my body as a temple, as a sacred thing, right? So that's not just to be honest with you, I don't think about my body like that, like I should. But according to the word of God, that is what that's what how we're supposed to think about it. Right. Verse 16 says, know you not that you are the temple of God. And really, it says ye, which is, of course, second, second, second person plural. So it's saying ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. So when he's talking to these people, this is what he's trying to get them to understand that all of you together. Right. All of you together make up the temple of God. All right. Now I'm going to back that up with another scripture. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter two and Ephesians chapter two is going to say the very same thing. All right. Let, let me start here in verse number. Let's see. Verse number 19 of Ephesians two, it says now, therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Here we go. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. All right. So so this understanding that we are a temple, we are a temple, we are a sacred place. All right. So how, where does that come from? Right. Where 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 do we get this idea? Well, it actually comes from Genesis. OK, so we let's go back to Genesis and let's just think about this for a minute. All right. So in Genesis chapter one, we have, you know, God making the heavens and the earth, him speaking everything into existence. Uh, God beginning to, you know, form, you know, the different elements from the sun, the moon, the stars, the firmament, the waters, earth, all of that. You know, all of that's going on. Chapter two chronicles uh, God's creation of man. Right. So we get that in chapter two on day number six. Right. God creates man. He creates him in his image and his likeness. His name is Adam. Right. And God, then after he's formed him of the dust of the earth, he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Man becomes a living soul. Now, here's the interesting thing. So Eden is a region. All right, this is very important. Eden is a region or an area, just like, you know, we have states and cities. So let's say Eden would be a state, the state I'm in, Georgia, and then the city Atlanta would be a specific area. All right. So the Garden of Eden is actually a specific place. So in the region of Eden, which was uh, vast, you know, the Bible talks about all the rivers that were there. It talks about the, the riches that were there. But in the middle, God created this garden called the Garden of Eden. And there he placed the man. And here's the key. The Bible says that he wanted Adam to keep the garden and to nurture the garden, all right? to tend to the garden, to nurture it, to help things grow and to also protect the garden. Now, why is this important? Because those two words used there, 
um, are the same Hebrew words that God instructed the priests to do when it relates to uh, protecting and keeping up the temple. Um, you know, once once the people of Israel ended up getting exiled, you know, and they came out of Egypt and God began to give them instruction on how he wanted to live. That was one of the instructions was uh, the Levites were to keep and tend to God's house. So here's the here's the thing. Actually, what's happening in Genesis is it's a sanctuary. The Garden of Eden is a sanctuary and God placed Adam in his sanctuary actually tending to the garden and taking care of things. And so this was the place where God would come and commune with man. Very powerful. All right. Now let me back that up with scripture. Let's go to chapter three. We all know chapter three, uh, Adam and the woman, you know, they, um, the woman gets deceived by the serpent. You know, she eats of the fruit. She gives to her husband. Adam's negligent, isn't doing leadership. He didn't protect her. He didn't do the things he was supposed to do. He ate the fruit and the knowledge of sin then came. They were aware of their nakedness. They tried to sew fig leaves together. But here's the key. Verse number eight of that chapter says this. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In other words, they heard the, the they heard the presence of God approaching. The voice of the Lord God was coming in the garden as he often did to commune with them. And now they hid themselves. They hid themselves. Right? It wasn't that God did not know where they were, uh, but they hid themselves from God's presence. All right. So this is the temple. This this was the temple. OK. And so it, it they got kicked out of God's presence. Right. They got kicked out of the temple. They got kicked out of the garden in the end of Genesis chapter three. Verse number 22 of Genesis chapter three, this is what it says. And the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Verse 23 says, therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, not from Eden, but from the garden of Eden. That's really important, right? He took him out of the sanctuary. Okay, out of his presence, out of the place where he dwelt. After there was sin, he was no longer allowed in God's presence. Okay, so this is where this is where this picture comes in, right? And then if we understand this, all of a sudden, the rest of the Bible, if we're if we have studied it, it becomes a lot clearer. So now I, I'm understanding a lot more. Okay, so when God called Abraham and made a people out of Abraham. And once they were freed from Egyptian captivity, God began to reinstitute, right, this form of temple worship. The only difference was now there was a sacrificial system, right? So remember Passover. Passover was a sacrificial system that God instituted, right? Right before the last plague, before uh, Pharaoh ended up releasing the Israelite people from his from their bondage, from captivity, what happened? God said, take a lamb, right? It's got to be perfect. Can't have any spot, any blemish. And what did he tell them to do? He told them to kill that lamb and then take hyssop and dip it in the blood and put it on the doorposts, right? On the sides and over the top of the door. And what did it say? When the angel of death comes to take the firstborn, it says he will see the blood. He will see the blood. Remember now, temple worship. And he will pass over, right? So the blood sacrifice takes the place of what we justly deserve. Okay. So he institutes this, but you got to remember this starts all the way in Genesis. 
I should go back one verse in Genesis chapter three, verse 21. After God gets done, you know, God curses the woman, God curses the serpent, and then God curses the man. And this is what he says in verse 21. God also, and I mean, excuse me, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and he clothed them. So how do you get skin from an animal? Well, you have to kill it. Right. So God was the first one to actually kill. God, God killed this animal. Right. And these animals in order to provide them clothes. Okay, so even even before he sent him out of the garden, God was already instituting this practice of giving them mercy through a sacrifice. And the same thing was happening in the Old Testament. Right. So we we move forward now. All right. To this. Remember, we're talking about how do how do I honor my how does God command me to honor honor my body? Right. Well, we're understanding my body is a temple. It's a temple. Right. So we see the temple in Genesis. We see man's sin get him kicked out of the temple, but we see God give him mercy by a sacrifice. Right. And then we see the same thing. The Israelite people. Now, God institutes this again when they're in the wilderness. And later on, they actually get a temple. And and, uh, David and Solomon's son, uh, David's son, actually Solomon, finishes the temple. Right. And so before that, there's just a tent or a tabernacle. And then it actually is a full on temple. Okay, but here's the beautiful thing. It doesn't stop there. So that was on the external, but we could not approach God. Right. But all of the sacrifices that were happening were pointing towards one sacrifice. And that sacrifice is Jesus Christ. All right. So now let's go to first Corinthians chapter six. And first Corinthians chapter six is um, probably one of the more famous chapters Uh, that actually talks about how we honor God with our bodies. Remember, what I want to talk about, what I want us to get us to understand is once we put our faith and our trust in Christ, once we make a decision to live for Jesus, we have to understand my body is now a temple. Okay, it's a part of God's temple. All right. Verse number 19. I'll come back to the other stuff. But verse number 19 of 1 Corinthians 6 says this. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. And then verse 20 gives the reason, says, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Wow. Okay, so that kind of that kind of settles it. Right. That kind of lets us know exactly what's going on. He says, your body is the temple of what? Of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own for you are bought with a price. So we were purchased by the blood of Jesus. And when we come under that covenant, when we by faith accept Jesus Christ, I now am God's property. Remember that Kurt Franklin album? GP, are you with me? Right. God's I'm God's property. Now, this changes the narrative, right? This changes the game because when we think about, and I'm going to be honest, for those of us who are church babies and who grew up thinking, right, going to church all the time, you, I never heard this taught to me. Listen, I heard it preached to me, but I never heard it taught to me. And there's a big difference there. All I heard was don't fornicate. If you fornicate, you're going to hell. 
right? And there's value to that message, right? It's not that fornication isn't sin. It's not that we shouldn't abstain. But the problem was they weren't giving me the big picture. And this is the big picture. No, 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 no. It's, listen, and and this is what creates hypocrisy, right? Here's the thing. Is honoring my body through fornicating? Absolutely not. But is it eating every time I want to eat? Nope. It's not that either, right? So, Here's the point. The point is I no longer belong to myself. That's the point. And I have to understand that as a believer in Jesus Christ, God has purchased me through the blood of his only begotten son. And because of that, I have been redeemed. I have been freed from the curse of the law. I have been freed from the power, the authority that sin once had on my life. I am now born of above. I'm born of the spirit. And now here's the thing. Now I need to grow in my understanding. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First uh, Peter 2 says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So the point is now I must grow. I must grow. And part of that growth is understanding I used to belong to sin. Here's the thing. Here's the big thing about that. We used to belong to sin, but we thought we belonged to ourselves. Right. So we were deceived. And so what happens was uh, was in our in our past life, when we were when we were unbelievers, when we were by nature, the children of wrath, we did according to our own desires. But the truth was we were actually led astray by sin. By the power of sin, there was no way for us to break the control of sin. Our eyes were blinded. Uh, according to Second Corinthians five, it says that um, excuse me, Second Corinthians four, it says the God of this age, referring to Satan, has blinded the eyes right of those who do not believe. So the truth was, I'm thinking that I'm just following myself. And though that's true, I'm un- I'm really under the influence of sin. Yeah, I'm doing what I want to do, but I'm under the influence. I am being controlled by sin. But what Jesus does through his grace, through his power, through the through the power of the gospel is he broke that. He broke that yoke. And there was a transfer. So now I don't belong. Uh, I think I think about the Helen Baylor testimony. If anybody knows uh, her testimony, I, I just love that. To, I had a praying grandmother. I just I love I just love Helen Baylor's testimony. I used to hear that in the car all the time. And I mean, it's just a powerful testimony. She talks about how she was hooked on drugs, hooked on cocaine, crack, all this kind of stuff. And how she prayed and cried out to God. And she said instantly she was set free. You know, and and God set free her, who uh, the the dope dealer or the drug dealer who ended up being her husband, and she says this part. She says, "I don't belong to you." I love that part. Oh Lord, it's great. It's a great testimony. But she's saying, "I don't belong to you," right? So one of the things: how do we honor God with our bodies? How do we honor God with our bodies? We understand our bodies belong to God. That's how we honor Him. It comes with an understanding. All I am, Lord, it belongs to you. All right. So I spent time and I wanted to set that up for us to understand the context of where that's coming from. This is coming all the way from Genesis. 
right? All the way from Genesis, God set this plan up. Genesis 3, God was already sacrificing, showing us what was going to happen, how he was going to provide the sacrifice that was going to give us mercy, that was going to give us grace, right? And so we see that come to fruition in the fullness of time 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ, right? And so now I honor my body. Now let's let's continue to go uh, in 1 Corinthians. Let's back up a little bit. Uh, let's start at verse number 17. It says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. This is powerful saying, look, all the other sins you do, it's outside of your body. It's outside of your actual body. But this sin, you're committing it against yourself. Right? You're committing against yourself. Fornication is... Uh, uh, sex, sexual sin it has always been connected to idol worship. Um, you can study any Near East, any ancient religion. There is not a deity um, that exists that doesn't require some form of uh, sexual worship. And it's crazy to think about it, but when you go back and you study the Moabite, the Canaanite, all these different deities, Ashtaroth and these things, even if you go back to uh, Exodus and you study when Moses came down the mountain, uh, Aaron said that the Bible says they rose up and played, which is really a term to like an orgy or a lot of sexual things going on. So sexual deviancy is always uh, something that Satan has used, uh, has used to take us away from God. All right. Uh, let me let me go through this just really quickly. Genesis chapter six is where God destroys the whole earth. Right. And he starts over with Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He built the ark, but everybody else was destroyed. Well, th guess what was happening during that time? Sexual immorality. Now, my my thing is this. Cain murdered Abel and God didn't say, well, that's it. It's time to destroy the earth. I am sick of the. Think about that now. Sh sh blood was actually shed. Right. The Bible says later on in the New Testament that Abel's blood cries out. Think, think about that. His blood actually cries out for justice. Right. That God does not. God is not deaf to what happens, that justice must be done for what's happened to Abel. God punishes Cain, but he doesn't say that's it. I can't handle it. I cannot. Hand I'm so sick of my creation. I'm sick that I made man. I, you guys are repugnant to me. That didn't happen when people were murdering, but it did happen in Genesis six. And guess what happened? The Bible says men took wives. So you have polygamy, sexual deviation, which is another form of fornication outside of God's marital covenant. I mean, look at our culture today. I mean, our culture today, and it has been like this for hundreds of years, but I mean, just look at the sexual deviancy of today. So you want to talk about a great way. I heard somebody say this. I don't remember who said it, but they said a great way to know how to live for God is to see whatever the culture is doing and do the opposite of it. And that's really good advice. You know, I was talking with a, a, a pastor friend of mine and we were chatting about this and I said, man, did you think back when we were in middle school, you know, that 10 years later, we were legit going to be watching people have actual debates on whether or not a man is born a man or a woman is born a woman. I mean, there's an absolute assault on the things of God and sexual deviancy has always been used as a tool 
Okay, it's always this sin has always been a sign of depravity of God giving people up. And it's also been a sign of God's judgment, sexual deviancy, deviating from God's plan. Now, now that's once again, now I'm 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 talking about fornication. So this isn't before we you know, people love to jump on the old, you know, you know, you know, everybody bashes homosexuals, but doesn't want to talk about. No, look, I'm talking about fornication. I'm not talking about homosexuality. I'll get to that. But right now, we're just talking about fornication outside of God's prescribed plan. So in Genesis chapter six, you see it says men took wives. OK, and not only does it say men took wives, but then you also had something else going on there. You actually had uh, angels copulating with the women. All right. So you have the Bible says that the sons of God came down and copulated with the daughters of men. They saw that they were fair. Okay, this is verse two. It says the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives that they chose. And then the Lord said his spirit will not always strive with man. And then we get to verse number four, which is fun. I should do a podcast on this sometime. It says they were giants in the earth in those days and after that, which is super fun because you don't hear anybody in church talking about that, about giants after after what days? After the days before the flood. That's those days. But anyway, that's that's for another time. But let's go on. Verse five, it says, and God saw the wickedness of man was very great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man. And then he later on said, I will destroy everything. Man, beast, fowl, all of it. Now, here's the thing. I want you to understand these two things are connected. Okay, so first you get sexual deviancy in Genesis chapter six is the first time we hear about sexual deviancy of any kind. And the next thing you say a few verses down, the Bible says the wickedness of man was so great that every imagination he had was evil only continually. Right. So sexual deviancy always begets great evil. So how do we honor God? How do we honor God? Keep ourselves sexually pure. Right. Resist. Flee fornication. Run from it if you have to. Me and my brother were just talking about that yesterday. Run from it if you have to. It's a life or death situation. It is just that serious. Okay. How do I keep, how do I honor God? Run. (laughs) Sounds backwards, but sometimes that's necessary. Flee fornication. Okay. All right. So Genesis six is an example of that. Another example of sexual deviancy, obviously is Genesis 18 with Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, That, Uh, Many scholars and different people who have been perverted by uh, sin and the mind of Satan have tried to twist these scriptures to mean that this scripture actually doesn't talk about homosexuality being a sin. And that's just ridiculous. So I'm not even going to spend time trying to refute yet. But let's just understand this, that sexual deviancy always brings judgment. The Bible says this. God tells Abraham, Genesis chapter 8, he says, shall I withhold from Abraham this thing that I'm going to do? Right. And so he tells Abraham exactly what's going to happen. Uh, No other sin that I can recall has been so bad to the point that God has actually come down in the theophany and said, I got to see this for myself. It's just that it's just that. And I got to send some angels to investigate because I can't even believe what I know is happening. Right. And then God ends up destroying the earth. I mean, not the earth, but God ends up destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, you know, they try to they try to sodomize uh, the two angels that come to visit Lot um, and so on and so forth. All right. So how how, how do I honor God? First, I remember that my body isn't mine. I remember that I don't belong 
to my, I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to sin. I belong to God. Okay. So I live, I live to serve God. All right. How, what's a practical, what's a practical way to flee fornication? All right. Let's go to another scripture in the New Testament. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. Here we go. Verse number three. It says this for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. OK, so there we go. We have it again. Right. Well, it's saying from fornication, verse four, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, this is interesting because the Bible says that our bodies are not mine, but they're unto the Lord. But now it says his vessel. Right. It's giving it's attaching that to it. So what it's saying is that I'm a steward now of what God has given me. OK, it's not mine. My body isn't mine, but God is leasing this to me for the time being. And so I'm going to treat it as best as I can because he's the owner of it. Right. I'm just in possession of it right now. But it but it belongs to God. My body belongs to God. So I'm going to do the best I can. And here's the thing. When I flee fornication, I present my body before God honorable. I'm in sanctified. Sanctified means set apart for a particular purpose. I am set apart to perform the will of God, to do the will of God by keeping myself spiritually clean. Okay. So it doesn't matter what's going on. If I'm not spiritually clean, some people pay a whole lot of attention to being healthy and it's great to be healthy physically. We need to be healthy physically. Gluttony is one of the most, especially in the black church, it's probably the number one between that and gossip, in my opinion, are the number one and number two things that uh, pastors ain't going to talk about. But gluttony is a sin. All the pork, I love it, but I don't eat it every day. Fried chicken, all the culture. <laughs> we throw three pounds of pork in the greens and then bless God, bless this, <laughs> bless this food. Right. So we, we have to honor our gods with how we how we eat. OK, but but here's the thing. It doesn't matter how spiritually excuse me. It doesn't matter how physically healthy I am if I'm not spiritually healthy. Right. So I have to be spiritually healthy. So it says this, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Now, I love this because it's saying, look, those who don't know God, that's what they do. Right. They people who have not come into contact with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they fornicate. And I mean, that's a big ouch. Right. I mean, wow. But he's saying, no, 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 no. We know the transformative power of the almighty, of the most high, of the one who was and is and is to come. There's no way that you can convince me, right, that after I've met Jesus, I'm going to be the same. It's not going to happen. So one of the this is one of the ways, right? This is one of the ways that the church distinguished itself in the in, in the day, in the early days uh, of of the church. And this is also the same way God wants us to distinguish ourselves from the world. Like I said, look at our culture. I mean, they're trying to sexualize our kids with all these kind of agendas. You have gay, you have trans, you have, I mean, fornication has been on TVs and movies for, for years. And it hasn't even, it's probably been only like the last two or three years where I really started to get convicted about the content on TV that I'm watching. And I'd be like, man, like, People just have sex with they, you know, like one night stands is nothing to watch in a movie. And I'm like, I'm, you know what I mean? 
it's unbelievable, right? So we have to make sure that we're paying attention. That's one of the ways we stand out for. Uh, how do we stand out for God in this in this culture? Well, we abstain from fornication, all right? I was just having a conversation earlier today. I was like, as soon as you talk about porn, people at, look at you like you're crazy. But it's so it's so commonplace now that everybody's doing it, right? This the kind of mindset they just it's normalized. You know, people aren't even hiding their dirt anymore. They don't have a problem with it. All right, so let me keep going. Verse number six says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have also forewarned you and testified. Here we go. Verse seven, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. What a beautiful scripture. So how, how, do, how do I honor God? I remember that I'm a temple, right? That I'm part of the temple of the living God, that God through the Holy Spirit revi- resides on the inside of me, that he teaches me, he guides me into all truth. I have fellowship with the Father through the Savior, and I can, and I can feel that through the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm saved, I'm sealed, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why I don't fornicate. Is because this vessel, this temple, this body has been given over to the Lord unto unto holiness, right? Not uncleanness. So, so here's the next time we're faced with temptation. Here's a great way to kind of help us. Now, mind you, I'm not talking at y'all. I'm talking to y'all because this is just as much for me as for anybody else. The next time we're faced with temptation, how much easier will it be to endure and turn away from that temptation if we ask the question, am I about to practice this uncleanness right now or do I want to pursue God in holiness? You get what I'm saying? So the allure of sin, what it often does is it presents itself as something that's enticing to us. Right. James, the book of James says that we're all led away by our own desires. Right. So it's alluring. But the word of God can remind us of what's really going on. The word of God can remind us by saying, hey, 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 that's uncleanness. Shall I take the members of Christ and join them to a harlot? No. Right. So this is this is part of it. Right. All right. So so that's another scripture that I wanted to give you is uh, that we how do I honor God? Not only do I know that God is you know, God is my savior. He's my Lord. But but this body that he's given me is a temple. It belongs to him. I want to do everything I can to possess myself in sanctification and in honor set apart unto the work of God. Right. This is this is huge. All right. Now, let me tell you something. The culture and frankly, many churches are rampant with sexual sin. I mean, pervasive, not a bit of repentance in the world. Right. Which is a, while, a lot of reason why we don't hear about this stuff. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is a great scripture. Uh, Paul says this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. OK, in view of the mercy of God, that you present your bodies presented as what, Paul, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. All right. Now, folks, this is the this is the least that we can do. Okay, this 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 is the least that we can do before God. So when I look at God and what he's done for me, giving my body back to God. And this is why I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing this up because I want us to think about this. Isn't it sad that serving God becomes so difficult sometimes 
right? We just, it just kind of becomes drudgery, right? We kind of droop our heads down. We kind of, you know, it's just kind of a, a, a sad thing, right? That we, that we think about. And, and that's not, that's not what the Lord uh, wants for us, right? The Lord doesn't want us to think about this stuff and be sad and be, you know, bogged down, but God actually wants us to serve him with joy. But let me be honest with y'all. Let me be honest with y'all. I don't always want to give my body to God like that. You know, we don't always want to serve God like we should. Okay. But what's the word of God says? It says that in view of God's mercy, this is the least I can do. When I think about God and his goodness towards me, this is the least that I can do. Right. When I think about God and his goodness, when I think about what God has done through Christ to save me, to sanctify me, to provide for me. Right. This is the least that I can do. It's my reasonable service. So what's my point here? Maybe we need a heart check and maybe we just need to be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, this is what your word says. You know, my body is supposed to be your temple. You know, you reside in me and I just haven't been giving myself to you wholly. I haven't been giving myself to you completely. I haven't been giving myself to you consistently, but I know that's your desire for me. And I know it's not an option either because this is the fruit of those who, who, who are yours. Cause, cause those who are yours don't defile their temple. So God, I, I need you right now. I need you to to do a work on the inside of me. I need you to transform my heart and my mind to help me to be more like you, to help me to honor you, God, because I recognize this is my reasonable service. This isn't me going out of the way. God, this is just it's it's the least that I could do for all that you've done. Okay, so when we think about this, I, 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 I wanted to put that out there. I wanted to give us the context. And I wanted us to understand that, you know, when we think about honoring God, you know, let's think about it being about our temple. You know, this is this is a temple of God. Right. So so now let's expand it, because I always want to talk about fornication, sexual deviancy, simply because it's so pervasive in our culture. And frankly, we can't get enough of it, y'all. All it takes is one time us slipping up and it can cost us our life. And when I say it can cost us a life, I mean that not necessarily in the sense that we'll die, but I mean, we don't know what the consequences of that can be. And it can alter what God actually wants to do in our lives. It's just that serious. And so we need to take it that serious. And listen, the more we talk about it, the less likely we are to fall into that sin. That's the thing. It it keeps us honest. We have to keep talking about it. We need to keep listening to it. I've memorized those scriptures because I need to memorize those scriptures because they're going to protect me. I need to know 1 Corinthians 10. I need to know that there is no temptation that's overtaking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful in that in the temptation, with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that I, David, will be able to bear it. Right. I need to know that. And we all do. So when we get built up with the word of God, we continue to speak the word of God, talk the oracles of God. God is going to protect us. Right. And this is what the word is for. It's for instruction and righteousness. Right. All right. So let me finish out here. I'm going to go back um, to Second Timothy because I really think that this is just something that we have to continue to uh, wrestle with. You know, our bodies 
belong to God. Okay, listen to this. Verse number 20 of Second Timothy uh, chapter 2. This is what it says here. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth and of some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord. Listen, out of a pure heart. So what's the point here? He's saying, look, just like in your house, you I don't know if some of y'all, your mama, your grandma house, they got Tupperware, but then they also got China. Right. The China, <laughs> probably if it's like my house, it may get touched once a year. Right. They got some fancy, fancy silverware spoon and stuff. And then they got some Tupperware when you're having a barbecue. And when the kids come over, you already know that's what they pulling out. What's the point? The point here is he's saying there's some people that are like China. Right. There's some people who have the gifts, who have the different abilities and things. They're like China. Right. They may have money and different resources. The other people who aren't like that, the other people who are more simple. Right. The other people uh, who are like the Tupperware. But the main point is God can't use neither one of them if they ain't clean. What God is looking for is not rich folks, not rich saints. God is not looking uh, for poor saints. God is not looking for uh, saints with PhDs. God is not looking for, you know, saints that don't have PhDs, but work a trade job. What God is looking for is saints that are clean. When we are clean, we are usable by God. Isn't that beautiful? God doesn't care about your socioeconomic background. He don't care about your color. He don't care how smart you are. He don't care if you can spell or not. God don't care about if you dress up nice for church or not. God cares. Are you clean, David? Are you clean, son? I can't use you till you're clean. But when you get cleaned up, you're fit for my use. And let me tell you something. The pure heart of every born again believer is, Lord, use me for your glory. But God says, I can't use you when you ain't clean. And so Paul's instruction here to Timothy is, son, be clean. Be clean. And I love it. He says they purge him. Right. He says, if a man purge himself from these. I love that because he's saying everybody got to purge themselves from something. <laughs> That's the thing. We, there's some messages we can't listen to and be like, oh, that ain't for me. No, 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 no. It's always for us. So there's some stuff I got to purge. There's some stuff you got to purge. Right. So we have to purge ourselves from these things and seek to be a vessel of honor worthy of use in God's vineyard. And when we do that, God will be pleased. Well, guys, that's uh, all I have for you today. I hope that you guys really enjoyed this podcast. I really enjoyed this. Listen, let me give you my email. I want you guys I want you guys to send me questions. I want you guys to send me comments. I want you guys to definitely interact with me and and let's have a conversation. It can be current events. It can be all kinds of things. It can be all kinds of things, guys, but that's what I want for you, okay? I definitely want you guys to continue to use that, all right? So let me give you my email. My email address is dporter1258 at gmail.com. All right. D Porter 1258 
at gmail.com. So I would love for you guys to uh, just send me an email, man. Let me know your questions, your comments. And uh, hopefully, man, you guys have really enjoyed this. And once again, God bless every single one of you. And I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you.